Welcome to Game Changers, the show that's about playing by your own rules when it comes to your career. Join us as we speak with people who have taken the road less traveled and found their niche. I'm your host, Seth Robinson. In terms of the social component, I think it's also about giving people access to food that they wouldn't otherwise get on a daily basis. How much of your dinner got scraped into the bin last night? What about the cafe where you had lunch? How much of their display case do you think went to waste? The government estimates that food waste costs the Australian economy 20 billion each year. Over 5 million tons of food ends up in landfill, enough to fill 9,000 Olympic-sized swimming pools. Jane Koo is the founder and CEO of Bring Me Home, a startup that's tackling the issue of food waste head-on. Jane, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. You're currently the CEO and founder of Bring Me Home, which essentially was spun off of an app you worked with previously from a Danish company. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And that was Too Good To Go. Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about the process of how you got involved with Too Good To Go and that kind of led to Bring Me Home? Yeah, sounds good. I was, I think, in my second semester of my master's degree, and I took an elective called Social Entrepreneurship uh, with Professor Ben Neville or Neville. <laughs> um, and so th- one of the projects was to look into social or environmental issue that you're very interested in. And so I looked into food waste, no doubt, because like that's one thing that I've been practicing when I was young and I wanted to understand more about the issue. So um had a look and then I'm like, wow, that's actually terrible stats about the amount of food wasted in, you know, especially US, China, um, and also Australia. Right. Um, And so I started looking into, I guess, solutions that are implemented overseas that have worked really well. And I wanted to look at how they do it. So I came across this company called Too Good To Go. And then I just thought, this is amazing. This is what we need in Australia. And like, I think it's so good because it benefits the retailers because they're they're capturing the lost value. They're monetizing food waste and the customers are getting good deals. Mm -hmm. Um, So I pretty much just reached out to the CEO on LinkedIn um, right after my paper was done. And I said, hey, are you thinking of coming to Australia? Because I love to be a part of your team. And then he didn't get back to me <laughs> until like a week later, which I was like not expecting him to reply anyway. That's actually a pretty good turnaround time. Yeah. yeah. So a week later, it's good. And he was like, yep, uh, we're actually talking about, you know, expansion to overseas. So um, let me connect you with two of our co-founders. Mm-hmm. And so um, he sent me their emails and then like we just been like emailing back and forth. And then one day we decided to do Skype. So I didn't expect that the Skype would be actually an interview. Um, So I thought it was a catch up, but it turns out to be an interview. So they're asking me all these things about Australian market, blah, blah, blah. But for me, it was good because I've already done all the research, Mm -hmm. you know, in the previous class. So I was able to balance back with, you know, the the answers. And then so literally right after the Skype interview, they were like, great, well, let's do it. You're a part of our team now. And I was like, what? Is this real? (laughs) I was like, that's crazy. Um, so I was so excited because I'm like, oh, my God, I just got myself a job, mm-hmm. you know, even before I graduated. And then, yeah, so we've just been working back and forth. Um, I was working in, like, Australia, and they're obviously based in Europe, and they're expanding to, like, th- at that time, I think they're sixth or seventh country in Europe. Okay. So now they're in eight. Um, they're gl- growing really fast. And then, so, yeah, we tried to launch their app um, in Australia, but then halfway through, 
um, they've got to restructure a problem with the with the company. Right. And then they also had to pull out from the expansion due to financing issues. And so right after that, I actually spoke to the co-founder and the team say, you know, I really love this mission. I believe there is something here. Do you mind if I just take it forward? But I'll, I'll create everything from scratch. I'll use my own brand. How like how does that sound? And they were very supportive. They said, please do it. Like, and we want you to be successful. I mean, you know, if you're successful, maybe one day we can merge. That was the line that got me started. It was just great words of encouragement. These are people that have tried it, done it. And they're telling me that, you know, this is the opportunity we could merge one day. Is that still something that you're kind of working towards? Well, not. I wouldn't necessarily say working towards, but it's actually one of the options, I guess, if, mm-hmm. if I were to exit the company at one point. Um, but I kind of don't want to think about exits now because yeah. I see a lot of opportunities with this. Yeah. Shortly after that, I decided to continue the mission and just launch Bring Me Home. And essentially, we're pretty much doing very similar things. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also like an app that, you know, cuts footways for retailers. And... Um, but we've taken a very different approach in terms of marketing and like uh, approaching our target audience. And yeah, the operation's very different. <laughs> so what were some of the changes that you kind of found you had to make to adapt it to the local space? Yeah. So for example, I think branding is one of the things that are very important. Um, Europeans are very eco-conscious, whereas I think Australians, is, is, they're starting to catch on. Mm-hmm. So for example, we've chosen a color that really um, spikes the appetite of the people. Um, orange usually is a is a more happy kind of tone, whereas too good to go use like a more eco-green and slash blue kind of color mm-hmm. um so because people here I, I i noticed that they have a i guess misconception about what surplus food is they always think that oh it's like s- scraps or stale rotten food right and so we're trying to educate people before we even launch the product and mm-hmm. that's one thing that i've done differently and also i guess approaching the market like um, being more concentrated in the city first and then like launching next to universities and encourage students to try it out rather than going too broad too quickly, um, which is kind of their, their operating model. When you say people don't really understand what surplus food is, do you want to run us through that a little bit? What is it? So surplus food is pretty much food that's unsold at the end of the day. Um, They can be made freshly, like uh, every day or, um, I mean, for instance, sushi shops that make a lot of sushi and display on the shelf. If they don't sell it out by the end of the day, it's called surplus food. Mm -hmm. It's still safe to eat even like after the operating hours, maybe until dinner time. Um, And then it's just not us fresh anymore. But, you know, sushi shops around here close about like 5 p.m. Mm -hmm. So they have to throw it out. So that's what we categorize as surplus food. And even cafe foods as well, like salads and sandwiches, um, anything that is unsold is Mm -hmm. surplus food. It's still quality food. It's just people didn't, well, they don't sell it out. If I were to open the Bring Me Home app and say, oh, I want something to eat at the moment, what would that process be like? How would I get there? Yep. So um, you, when you open the app, you'll see a listing of cafes, restaurants or retailers nearby that, are, um, that have already put up surplus food to sell at a discount. You simply just choose whatever deals you like. And then um, once you pay on the mobile app, you just have to show up to the store and show your receipt during a specific pickup time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that easy. It's paperless, super, like, super, just really smooth. 
That's yeah. awesome. So there's really kind of a social component to it as well in that, you know, you're reducing food waste, which is a pretty major global issue. In terms of the social component, I think it's also about giving people access to food that they wouldn't otherwise get on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, salads nowadays cost like 12 to $15. It's ridiculous. But I mean, you know, the surplus salads that we get retailers to discount, you can buy it around 5 to $6, which for people that have a low um low income status could easily access through an app yeah. without feeling like they're going into there asking for a discount. Mm-hmm. So where I think the way I see the app is also to remove that stigma of people coming in last minute and ask for a discount mm-hmm. um, because everything's already settled. The owners know what they're doing. The customers are simply showing mobile app just to pick up their food. Um, so yeah, I would say that's the social impact that we're also making. That's really, really great. So we actually caught up previously, you know, a few months ago. Yeah. So I'm interested to hear how things have changed. You're essentially coming up at the one year mark of being Bring Me Home. What's the last year been like for you as a startup entrepreneur? Oh, it's crazy. I think entrepreneurs will be able to relate to this point. It's really just like a roller coaster. Like mm-hmm. every couple hours you might feel, you know, ups and downs, um, like, I think there's one thing that founders don't really talk about, which is sometimes they get get discouraged or questioned and then they also question themselves. And then there's also moments where we would be like, oh, is this the right thing we're doing? What am I doing? Should I just pull out? Like, there's so many questions like that. But I think it's it's been a really good journey so far. And I'm I'm just so excited to see what, you know, 2019 has installed for us. Well, Bring Me Home and I, we've been through about three accelerator programs by now. Wow. Um, we just finished the best one in Australia, which is called Startmate. Okay. Um, and I, I would encourage anyone to look up Startmate if they're interested in the, you know, accelerator space. Very competitive, but I think it's coined as the best accelerator for a reason, um, mm-hmm. for Australia for a reason. That was like a three months program plus a week in San Fran. So I've just been through that and I came back from San Fran about two weeks ago. Wow, so we caught you at a good time. Yeah, you did. A lot of stuff happened. (laughs) Um, And we're in the middle of fundraising right now. Mm -hmm. So um, hopefully we'll be able to close the round fairly soon. And when you say you're fundraising, are you thinking about expansion? Yes. So our goal is to go to Sydney next year. And if things go really well, we want to be expanding to Brisbane as well. Yeah. And then eventually San Francisco, hopefully. Um, actually, no, okay. I'm not thinking of going globally. And I think that's actually one of the questions a lot of people ask me, why don't you think globally? I think there's a lot of things that I can play with, um, or experiment in Australia, mm-hmm. just because I think if Australia for me is a land of opportunity, whereas, you know, people think that that's America. Um, I just see there's a lot of different markets that I could potentially tap into, not just food, but like, you know, anything that's perishable, I would love to be able to list that on our app. Right. So for example, flowers, yeah. super costly, but if you can buy, you know, a, um, a bouquet of roses for five bucks to impress your partner, yeah. why not? And you save that, you know, bouquet of flower from throwing to the bin. Yeah. So that's one thing that I want to be able to do. And also there's a lot of adjacent markets that I like to tap into. Yeah. And I suppose, actually, now that you've said that, I've had that brainwave, you know, keeping it on the local level. It's all about investing in the local economy again. Mm. You know, you're creating these sales that wouldn't happen otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think for Bring Me Home, the the sort of business model that we're operating in requires hyper-local density. So to go overseas is actually a lot harder than 
I guess, a lot of different softwares or apps because they can scale a lot easier just by selling to multiple businesses and, Mm -hmm. you know, those things can easily transfer. But for us, it's like we really need the locals to be jumping on the app to grow the transactions, to grow the user base. So it's not as easy to to say, yep, let's go to the States and then we can do that. So I think it's better to, I guess, hone into the... um, the community and the local aspect of everything mm-hmm. um, as a way to grow. Yeah. And how have you found the local community response? Do you feel like you have a lot of repeat customers or people getting on board? What are your demographics like? Yeah. Um, so I would say majority of the users are students. Um, okay. And I would assume why, because I, well, I was a student and I'm always always hunting for cheaper food. <laughs> so I think people just like the fact that it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do have young professionals um, working in the city using the app and um, quite a lot of repeat users, actually. There, there's like a couple customers that buy at least twice or three times a week. Awesome. So that's great. Um, also, I think it's just about, you know, expanding our offerings and getting more people involved mm-hmm. um, and understanding what sort of, um, cuisines they like and then get more of those on board as well yeah what are some kind of consumer favorites um i would say well japanese cuisine is definitely like sushis um yep. definitely um also asian cuisines like chinese food singaporean food i think those are also amongst the popular mm-hmm. cafe foods also depends um i think a lot of people prefer hot food during you know the time that we launched because it was still pretty cold yeah so i'm kind of expecting a little flip um during summertime that people will be buying more cold food like salads or mm-hmm. sushi rolls so it really depends on i guess weather and um you know what what are people doing at that time yeah it's funny you mention the weather and that, you know, these are the little things that I personally, if I was launching a business, would just never consider thinking about <laughs> things like that. Like, oh, people like ice cream in summer. <laughs> um, what are some of the kind of challenges you've come up against that weren't things you necessarily expected? I think just really managing cash flow, um, right. because I think that's the death of many startups. Um, when a startup runs out of money completely, mm-hmm. that's when it just can't survive. And, you know, all the operations have to be seized and shut down. And to be completely honest with you, we're not looking too good in terms of cash flow. Um, but good thing is we've already kickstarted the fundraising, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, process. So we will be able to survive, definitely. So I think that's one of the challenges. The other one is hiring. Oh, my God, it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to find, like... People that are in for the right reasons. Like I've interviewed so many applicants and a lot of them are just interested because they want to experience what it's like to be in a startup. Mm -hmm. But I I would say, you know, that reason's not enough for me to have them on the team because they could easily just learn things and leave Mm -hmm. and then go to other startups. You know, what what I really look for in, in applicants is about why they want to work for us. Like, I mean, if Uber Eats come in and say, we want to hire you, what would make them stay for us, you know? Yeah. Um, so I guess the passion about our mission is very important. Also sharing the fact that, you know, we like we have the same vision that we could go big. I think that's also another big thing. Also, I guess, skill sets that's like pretty basic stuff. But I, I always look for passion when I hire someone. But Absolutely. it's really hard to find those people. Yeah third challenge probably would be just myself and like battling my mindset sometimes Mm -hmm. Um, because I I do like I do always um, think about what's the risk what's the opportunity cost whatever I'm doing and always concern or self-aware that you know whatever decisions I make it could go either way Um, so I think just 
really trusting my own sixth sense or guts is another challenge. <laughs> yeah, I bet yeah. that's a learning curve in itself. Yeah, definitely. Oh, cool. Well, I guess we'll backtrack a little bit. Mm. You mentioned that you yourself were recently a student. You studied here at the University of Melbourne yeah. and did a Master of Commerce in Marketing, yeah. I believe, which is a degree they don't actually offer anymore. But yeah, I... <laughs> well, I, I did the consulting pathway, which is not available anymore, but the research pathway is still available oh, for okay. PhDs. Yeah. And so how did you find transitioning from student life into working life did you find your study skills were really applicable in launching bring me home i i think it's a very interesting question because i think a lot of the things that i learn in um you know melbourne business school like for example the academic papers and things like that um a lot of the theories that i learned actually i hate to say this but probably are not too applicable to the startup world anymore mm -hmm. just because how things have changed with technology and the digital world is so different from you know traditional paper academic theories but I think what is most important and more transferable is actually the skills that mm -hmm. I have learned from doing my master's so for example like communication skills verbal written whatever I think those things are very important because for us it's like we need to be able to con convey for example, pitching three minutes to tell everyone what you're doing and why you should be invested. Absolutely, yeah. And that's that's one crazy skill anyone could have. Like mm -hmm. if you can convince someone to join your team in three minutes or invest money into your startup in three minutes, yeah. that's a skill that we all want. And I imagine that's how you would have gotten into those accelerator programs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like I think being able to condense your presentations in like less than 10 slides as well. Um, to explain your whole business to someone like, that has no idea what you're doing. That's another skill. Yeah. Um, and I would also say um, the skill of learning, of being able to pick up things quick and also just absorb and then convey it back. I think that's another very important skill that university students should be aware that they are always doing this. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, like back in my master's degree, we're required to read at least 10 papers a week um, or 20. And then I think what is more important is about how how can you acquire those information and break it down, yeah. analyze and read it quick mm -hmm. so that you can participate in class, you know, for example. And and for us in the startup world, it's kind of similar. Like how do you, you know, how, you have such a short amount of time. How do you um, acquire information about, for example, your competitors, um, break it down and then see what applies to you, what not, mm -hmm. and then come up with a strategy, for example. So a lot of these things actually apply mm -hmm. in terms of learning skills. And I would say that is the most valuable thing that I've picked up during my studies. So things that are a little bit more lateral. So things yeah. like the critical thinking and the exactly. ability to synthesize yeah. are really valuable takeaways. Yeah. Yeah. So with that in mind, is there kind of advice you would give to graduates who are entering the workforce or, you know, are maybe thinking of launching a startup themselves? So I, I would break those advice into two parts, maybe yep. for the grads that are about to enter a workforce, I think maybe really follow what you really believe in. So mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you want to work in a corporate a boutique firm or even for a startup, you've got to really be believing their mission. I mean, like I, I have a lot of friends that, you know, they're like dying to get into corporates, but you know, after a few months, I see them and they're, they're not really enjoying their work life. Mm -hmm. I mean, and for me, it's like, you know, we only have this amount of time. 
are you sure you want to spend your days in a corporate that you don't like? Yeah. Or do you want to spend your days working for something that you actually believe in and that something that you can actually add value into? So I would advise people to really understand the corporates or the company that they're trying to, you know, get into what their mission is. Do you believe in that? And what sort of difference do you think you can bring? Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of people that want to start their own startup, do it. (laughs) Just do it. Um, The things you learn is crazy. Like I would say the accelerator programs I've been to, like for example, Startmate, it was like an MBA program for me. Right. Because the things that I've learned, you can't learn in books. You can't learn in paper. It's, you know, everything you do, you have like a a different scenario that comes to you Mm -hmm. and your learning experience, only you can have it. Like you can't share it with your peers because you're the one that's going through all these things. Um, And also being very proactive is, is another advice because that's, that's when you create opportunities for yourself. Yeah. So just do it. (laughs) That's incredible. That's fantastic. All right. Last question. And then I think I'll let you go, but this is one question that we ask all our guests. Mm. Um, So I'm interested to hear what you say. But what's one thing that's not on your resume that's got you to where you are today? Um, I would say the fact that my mum was a tiger mum and that's the way I was brought up. Um, I mean, she she has really um, set like some high expectations of me when I was a kid and she would use all these tactics or like things to get me to do things I don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, learning a new instrument that I'm just completely not interested in um, or going to going to extra tutorial classes, which I, you know, never want to on a weekend. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but I think the things that she's, you know, asked me to do or actually forced me to do um, have it's taught me a lot of the soft skills from it as well. Like for example, determination, self-discipline, perseverance, and just getting to um, being a completer and like a finisher and not just, you know, stop things halfway. Mm -hmm. I think those are very important skills that I've learned, which has helped me become who I am today. Yeah. And also I guess her setting expectations for me kind of made me learn how to set expectations for myself and I I have to say I have really high expectations of myself now which isn't necessarily always a good thing but I think it's one thing that drives me forward every day. This has been Game Changers. I've been your host Seth Robinson. Game Changers is produced by Sophie Thomas and recorded by Chris Hatsis. 